Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Doctrine Matters Podcast. There has been somewhat of a sabbatical that's happened recently, and my family and I were able to take a couple of Sundays, a week and a half or so, and just kind of go rest, and uh, I didn't have to fill the pulpit. I just went on a a vacation and uh, did some rest uh, um, over the past couple of weeks, and that meant resting from the podcast as well. But we are back here on the Doctrine Matters podcast, and it just seems like there's so much to talk about, yet it's all kind of tied in to the things that we've already been talking about over the last several podcasts, because we are still right in the middle of a pandemic. And I don't know about you, but every day I happen to see a new article, and you don't know what you can trust these days on the internet, if you can trust it or not. But every single day, it seems that we're seeing another article of health departments, hospitals, coroners, whatever the case may be, saying that there had been a large number of positive case coronaviruses, or how do you say that? Positive cases of coronavirus, there, I think that sounds better, that have been falsely documented. So now we're having to take all of these uh, coronavirus cases back because they've been falsely documented and and falsely logged or recorded. So uh, who knows the real number to this thing? I mean, we've been talking about a pandemic since March, and uh, this thing just keeps getting walked back at every corner. But also, for everything you see reported wrong, you see another something going on in our world. I think now the it, it's said that we should wear goggles, face shields, all of these things to keep from transmitting the virus. So, oh my goodness, I don't. What do we believe anymore? Sometimes I feel like writing a book called "Waiting on November," and you can figure that one out if you would like. Maybe do a podcast episode called "Waiting on November." Either way, seems like we've been talking about this pandemic coronavirus for so long now, and. Last time we talked, we talked about John MacArthur and his church, and I think the episode was called Christ, Not Caesar, because John MacArthur said that we're not going to bow to Caesar, we're going to bow to Christ, and we are going to gather as the church on the Lord's Day, regardless of what the governor's mandate said, that they could not gather. And uh, on that Sunday, thousands of people showed up. I think there were a little over 3,000 in attendance, and uh, nothing happened. And I know the following week, the coffee shop there at Grace Community Church was shut down and and they lost their hot water from the health department because of uh, whatever. Uh, So they're just trying to do uh, shut them down at at, at all costs, trying to to be big brother like they are. But it it was said that John MacArthur and his church there, that they would face fines as well as John MacArthur could go to jail. But many of you saw the, the interviews that... He's been on TV. I know the, the, the biggest one, the first one was Tucker Carlson. And uh, he said, 
I love what he said that matter of fact, we, we are the original protesters. We go back to the Protestant Reformation. So uh, John MacArthur threw in there that we do protest when we gather as the saints on Sundays as Protestants because we are protesting against sin, against heresy, against all of these things, and we are standing firm on the Word of God. So that is what John MacArthur, fast forward after now receiving threats of arrest, receiving threats of paying a fine, all these things, John MacArthur opens up their Sunday gathering this past Sunday with, Welcome to Grace Community Church's peaceful protest, and the place erupted in an applause. Now, one thing I want to talk about here on this podcast episode is, it's easy for us to look at guys like John MacArthur and think, wow, man, this is a, a an old saint that is on CNN, he's on Fox, I don't know if he was on CNN, I saw another art, uh, interview that he did, I don't know what it was, but I know that he was on Fox, but either way, he's getting these large mainstream interview opportunities, and it would be easy for guys like myself and the pastors between, you know, when everybody's there on a good Sunday, be between 110, and 120 people. So it'd be easy for me to, and, and other small church pastors to look at this and say, well, I'm not John MacArthur or I'm not fill in the blank with some well-known pastor. Now, I don't want to take away from what John MacArthur's doing. I thank God that he is standing firm for uh, the sake of the gospel and gathering with the saints and not letting the government dictate whether or not he is going to do that or not. He says that Christ is head of the church and not Caesar. So we applaud John MacArthur for what he's doing, but what about all of the thousands of men that fill pulpits every Sunday that are doing the very same thing? I wonder how many pastors in California are doing the exact same thing that John MacArthur's doing yet because they don't have large congregations. They're not getting the Tucker Carlson interviews. They're not getting interviewed in the the big daily journals and the the Wall Street journals and the New York Times. They're not getting all these accolades and not getting all these interviews and all this FaceTime. What about these men that are weekly, week by week by week, standing firm on the Word of God, opening their churches against these orders from governors all across America, whether it be in California or Michigan or Chicago or uh, Illinois, any of these places that are really Oregon, I believe, all these places that are really banning the gathering of the saints. I wonder what those guys think. And sometimes it would be easy to lose heart, to kind of be discouraged. But I want to encourage you. I know that there's many people that listen to this podcast, and uh, some of you may be pastors of smaller churches, and I want to encourage you here on this episode. And I want to encourage you that are listening that uh, go to smaller churches. Maybe some of you listening go to Grace Community Church, and and that's awesome. And I'm so thankful, again, for John MacArthur and the elders there. And some of you may go to smaller churches. And I want you to know that if you go to these smaller churches where the pastors aren't getting these interviews and these big FaceTime deals, I want you to encourage your elders, your pastor. I want you to stand firm with him. Show him your appreciation, that you care about him, that you love him, that you are thankful that he is standing on the Word of God in the face of opposition. Because it's so easily sometimes we talk so much about the larger churches, that we miss the faithful brothers week in and week out that are faithfully exegeting the text, that are faithfully leading the church in worship, that are faithfully standing in pulpits, declaring the word of God, the whole counsel
counsel of God. And they're having to do this also in the midst of a pandemic and in many states where the governors have said you can't meet. So they're facing this opposition. And if you are part of that, if you're a pastor in a local church, let me say first, I applaud you for standing firm on the word of God and not bowing to Caesar and not bowing to the government. Now, some of you listening may say, well, I disagree. I think if the government is saying that you should not gather as the saints on the Lord's day, then you should submit to that. And I would just simply say that you and I would have a disagreement here, and we can still disagree in love. So if you are one of those pastors that is not opening your church yet for whatever reasons, and you're doing it for, uh, for from conviction of the Word, from the Holy Spirit, your elders are convinced that it's not time right now, then I want to applaud you as well for making these tough decisions because it is not easy to be a pastor even if there's not a pandemic. Folks, listen, being a pastor is not a Sunday morning job or a Sunday and Wednesday job. Pastors do not cut cut it off like a faucet. Pastors don't clock in. They don't clock out. Now, they may have office hours, but they're taking everything that they deal with, that they struggle with, that they're praying for, uh, the congregation that they are shepherding, they are taking it home with them. And I, I know I've heard many pastors say, "You gotta when you walk in the house, you got to leave all of that stuff at the doorstep. And it, 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 uh, for a pastor, it's really hard to do that as you're called to shepherd the flock well. And uh, I just want to encourage you guys. It, 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 is, it is difficult for your pastor, and if you're a pastor, you know this, that it, it's difficult to be a pastor even when there's not a pandemic. But it, you throw in the pandemic side of it, and then you throw in the government side of it, and it gets increasingly difficult to be a pastor in the midst of this pandemic. And I've talked about this before, too. We cannot let what one church does uh, divide us as the body of Christ because we're doing it a different way. For instance, we talked about this on the last episode, that there are some brothers that are saying that John MacArthur Church should stay closed, they should obey the government, and then there are a whole other side that says, no, they're doing the right thing. And there's been a lot of division in this, and this is one of the things that I've seen and I've talked about over and over, that this pandemic, for whatever reason, whether it be mask or whether it be uh, whether your church should stay open, go to house churches, be online only, This has been the most divisive thing I've seen in the body. However, on the other hand, I've also seen this as an opportunity for brothers and sisters in Christ to gather and become one and love on one another. However, I've seen more division than I've seen unity. And if we're thinking biblically, then we should, number one, love each other carefully. We should admonish one another at times. We should correct one another, yes, But when we think about leading and pastoring and being an elder or a leader in the midst of a pandemic that we have never. Now, let me say this. These are not unprecedented times. Like Our our world has seen a, a major virus, a major virus outbreak before. We've had many saints before us. Charles Spurgeon ministering amidst some of the worst things that this world has ever seen. Now, if you look at the numbers, COVID-19 is probably not on the level of like the Spanish flu and uh, the bubonic plague and all of these other things that are out there. Uh, just looking at the numbers, I always say, let's look at the numbers because the numbers tell the tale. But then you got somebody that's going to say, well, the numbers, are they even reported accurately? So who even knows what to, to, to believe anymore, what to, what to think? But anyway, let me, I digress. The point I want to make here is, although these aren't unprecedented times, so to speak, 
these are times that are very new to everybody because I dare say that none of you listening lived through the Spanish flu. Neither did I. So leading through a pandemic is brand new to us. So this is kind of a, an unprecedented time, but we have seen men and women live through things like this and navigate through things like this before. So it's just a matter of conviction and trust in God. So let me just say this. Again, I want everyone to know this. If you're, if you're a church member and your elders, your pastor, your leadership has chosen to do whatever, I, I want to say if they are doing this from a conviction, from the Word of God, from the Holy Spirit, then they should be applauded and you should stand with them because it's so easy as a church member to rail on the pastors. Why are you opening up? Why are you not opening up? Why are we not doing this? Why are we not doing this? When are we going to do this? Why can't we do this? Why are we doing that? There's so many things that you as a church member can throw at your pastor that's leading in the most difficult time of his life. And your elders and leaders are leading during the most difficult time of their life. So I would kindly suggest that you stand with them. Or if you need to ask them questions, do so in a loving way. Don't take to Facebook. Don't take to Twitter. Don't go out and gossip about your elders or your pastor. But uh, do so uh, in, a, in the spirit of uh, a godly men and women that can approach one another in love and ask questions and uh, not be divisive about it. So I want to encourage you to stand with your elders, stand with your pastor. If you're a pastor listening, if you're an elder, if you're part of leadership at your church making tough decisions, whatever you're making right now, whatever decisions you're making, I want to say I, I applaud you because you're doing it in a difficult time. And what you do matters. So I pray that you're making the decisions based off biblical conviction and conviction from the Holy Spirit as you move forward when whether or not to open, whether or not uh, to close, whether or not to go online, because I know there's, there's spikes going up all over the place. Uh, it was just in Mississippi. And uh, they were telling me there that the, the, it was just going up daily, the numbers. And uh, back home where I'm at, it's, they're starting to decline some. So, so all over the place, you may have a situation where you need to uh, tape off some more rows and social distance more, or you need to uh, close it down again and go online. You may be making some very difficult decisions right now, but you're not on Tucker Carlson laying it all out there for the world to hear. So I want to be the first to tell you I applaud you. I applaud you, church member that is standing firm and, and standing behind your leadership at your church because it is very, very difficult. And yes, we applaud John MacArthur and the elders at Grace Community Church for standing firm and continuing to gather in the midst of this chaotic time. Now, I just wanted to say that. I just wanted to let you know that all you younger, younger, smaller churches, all you pastors that are leading these smaller churches, you're not doing it alone. We love you, we care about you, and uh, we applaud you. Keep it up. If you have any questions, any comments and, or, or questions, concerns, thoughts that you want to run by us here at the Doctrine Matters Podcast, I'd, be loved, I'd love to hear from you and help you uh, with anything that we've done as a church. So feel free to reach out, Podcast at gmail.com, and uh, we'll be in touch with you that way. So just wanted to say that. Now, the second part of this is really going to be talking about another person that we've seen in the quote-unquote Christian community. Now, I say quote-unquote Christian community because when we look at folks like um, T.D. Jakes and what's the guy's name that Inside Edition came up on? Like, uh, There's nobody here to tell me the answer to this. So uh, Kenneth Copeland, some, somebody yelled it in the radio. I heard it. I heard you. Good job. 
uh, Kenneth Copeland and, and, and Stephen Furtick, we can know that people put these names under the umbrella of Christian. So that's why I say, quote unquote, Christian. Uh, we've recently heard from Todd White, and many of you know what I'm talking about. I will link the uh, sermon in the show notes. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go there and listen. So many of you probably do because it's all over every Facebook page, every every Facebook group if you're a part of it. So you've probably seen this. And uh, it, it really talks about Todd White repenting of not teaching the true gospel or the full gospel. Now, if you remember just uh, a couple of months ago, he was really just given the, the creator and the people of uh, the American gospel the what for uh, saying that they never reached out to him to find out any information from him, what he believed. Uh, that later was refuted. Um, so he really said it was a demonic film, and in that film it kind of shows the uh, trickery that he uses when he's lengthening a leg to where he kind of uh, really just slowly manipulates the heel to make a leg appear like it has grown and back aches have been healed. And uh, really just a health, wealth, prosperity type preacher. And in his, one of his, one of his, because I know since he's, uh, he's taught again or, or, or preached, whatever, whatever we want to use here. But uh, one of his recent sermons, he wept for not preaching the full gospel. He repented. Uh, he's been reading Spurgeon and, and others. I, I can't remember who else he quoted, but... Um, it seemed to be uh, the beginning of something happening in Todd White's life, and we could only hope that it's true repentance that would lead to him shutting down some other things, some other heretical things that are around him. Uh, now, I haven't heard his most recent sermon. Now, here's all I want to say about Todd White right now until I listen to the other sermon because I believe that uh, there's been some other guys put out some things that say that he hasn't truly repented. He's back to his old ways. I don't want to speak to that until I've listened to some of that. However, this episode that I want to I want to use this part here to talk to believers, not necessarily Todd White, not necessarily what he's done, but uh, let me just reiterate here that it appears that Todd White has repented for not tre- preaching the true gospel, the whole gospel. He's been heavily convicted, reading guys like Spurgeon, uh, just really getting a lot of truth down inside and and really just bringing that back out in repentance on the stage. And this is where I want to talk about brothers and sisters in Christ. I think because of the nature of what Todd White has done Prior to this sermon, it, it, obviously it's going to leave people kind of on the fence, you know, like we're going to have to see the fruit, we're going to have to uh, see if this is something that's really going to take in his life, if, if he is truly repentant of his sin and he's going to turn from that and start doing things differently. And now, yes, we're going to see fruit if there's true repentance, but here's what I've seen a lot of the people in the Christian community do is they've already written Todd White off as still a heretic, that he is still, he, he hasn't truly repented until he shuts everything down. Now listen, I want to be clear that repentance is not a one-time thing in the life of a believer. Now many of you know this. 
but repentance is an ongoing thing in the life of a believer because we are both sinner and saint simultaneously because we're going to still sin until the day Jesus comes back and we are never going to be perfect until we are glorified with Christ in heaven for all of eternity. So here we are on this side of eternity. We're still sinful. So repentance is an ongoing thing. Repentance and faith, repentance and faith, repentance and faith. This is the life of a believer. I think I've heard it said that repentance is not a door you open, but a room that you live in. I can't remember who said that. Some of you can help me out if you would like, but uh, repentance for a believer is an ongoing thing. So we want to look at Todd White's life, and we want to immediately say, nope, he's not repentant. He is not changing. There's nothing different. He needs to shut this down, this down, stop doing this, stop saying this, stop uh, associating with these people, and then we'll take this repentance thing seriously. Now, there may not be true repentance here. I'm not saying there is. I'm not saying there isn't. But what I am saying is I watched a man weep on a stage for not preaching and teaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ for years, and he was heavily convicted and wanting to change that about himself. And I believe that James White, and I know that many of us have uh, thoughts about James White lately. Uh, He has really railed on the Black Lives Matter movement and... um, uh, all the social justice stuff that's happening in the world, and I think he um, is is right in a lot of what he says. I think maybe he comes across as arrogant sometimes, and, and, and don't we all? Uh, but anyway, I digress. This isn't about what I think of James White. Uh, I, I love what he said, and uh, probably should have found the quote before we started uh, and I, I, I'm just going to paraphrase it. Many of you probably know what I'm talking about, but he said something about, uh, say what you will about Todd White. He may not be um, as advanced as you are in theology, but when is the last time you wept over seeing men and women saved by the grace of God? Um, and he's he's right on there. Uh, we can say what we want to. We can say that, Man, I am so far ahead of Todd White in my theology. I've got this doctrine thing down, and uh, Todd White is still pulling legs. However, he stated repentance. So let's not look at our theological mindset and framework compared to Todd White's. Let's look at this as God potentially convicting a man to break down walls and barriers, to repent of his sin of not preaching the full gospel And let's use this opportunity to pray for this brother and pray that this repentance is is real and and not continually continually attack him and write him off as a heretic. Let's pray for this brother. Let's see what God's doing in his life. Let's pray that God would bring this repentance to a, a fruition that produces fruit that would then lead to more repentance and faith, that would then lead to shutting down the, the ministry of healing and, and, and whatever else he has going on there, that, that he would just uh, just revamp the whole thing, ministry that he has. So we have to, as brothers and sisters, when we hear that somebody has repented, we, we we have to almost take them at their word for it until we see what God's going to do in their life. We're going to see that repentance come to life in the form of fruit, or we're not. But we can't start bashing and attacking. I'll tell you this story, and uh, I will be done for today. 
I was a part, and I think I've told bits and pieces of this story already. If you're a regular listener, you may have heard some of this. But I was a part of a church discipline issue at one point, and uh, the certain person had sinned, and we as leaders did our due diligence in just making sure that this person was uh, restored to the Lord, his family, and then ultimately it got to the point where he had to be restored to the church. So he had to stand in front of the church and seek forgiveness from the church, and um, Long story short, on that, it happened. It was a beautiful thing. This brother was restored to the congregation. But before that, there were questions. And one of the questions was, how do we know he's truly repentant? And i got to be honest with you. I was, I mean, I'm still young in my pastorate. I've been a lead pastor for three years now. And this was very early on in this pastorate, uh, within the first six months uh, actually, at this point, it was I would say it was between six and twelve months of my first pastorate. I'm in the middle of a church discipline issue. We're about to see this brother be restored, and I'm asked the question: How do we know he's truly repentant? And you know that that question it flew all over me. Just to be honest with you, and I tried my best to, as a young pastor, to keep my composure. And I think maybe my facial expressions told a different story than my voice did. Uh, I think I may have looked a little angry, and I think rightfully so, but however, uh, I shouldn't have showed my cards there uh, in, 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 in anger, but how do we know that he's truly repentant was the question. And the simple answer that I gave is, well, we don't, right? In the moment when somebody says, I'm repentant, I have repented. How do we know that they truly have? And really, if you're like me, the answer is we don't in that moment. But a truly repentant person will produce fruit. will see a Christ-likeness about them over time. Now, there are times where we have to use discernment, absolutely. We can look at somebody that says they're repentant, and a discernment can kick in, uh, prayer, time, and we could say, no, we, we feel like that you may not be ready to stand in front of the church, right, and, and seek repentance. There may be those times, and, and, and rightfully so, we have to use discernment, especially in these kind of situations. But when somebody just says, how do we know he's repentant? We don't until we see fruit or lack thereof, and then we enter back into that church discipline issue if there is no true repentance, no true fruit, if if there is another uh, thing that we need to, 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 to bring up to the person. But anyway, before we get too far into church discipline, uh, just that question. And, and if we relay it back to Todd White, how do we know that Todd White is truly repentant? Well, we don't, right? Matter of fact, we can't judge the heart of another man. We can only judge the fruit or lack thereof. So what I what I mean by that is we need to give this a little time before we start telling our peers that Todd White is still a heretic that needs to repent and get right with God. Now, I understand how we can be very cautious, but I think as believers, we need to be cautious, firm, but loving. Believers are really good at being firm. <laughs> They're really good at being confrontational. 
believers are really good at um, debating, right? A lot of times we miss the mark when it comes to love. Now, you know me. If you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that I do not subscribe to a Care Bear theology. Everything is lovey-dovey. We are going to accept everybody, love everybody, no matter who you are, what color you are, what uh, what sexual orientation you are. We're just going to embrace you, hold you, and just frolic in the sand and, and just love each other forever. No, I don't care what color you are. I don't care what your sexual orientation is. I don't care how your social status, your economic status. I don't care about any of those things. I'm going to love you enough to tell you the truth, to teach you the word of God, and let God do what he wants to do in your life. But we're not going to hold hands, frolic, and affirm sin. That's not the love I'm talking about. I'm talking about the love that loves you, is firm, is truthful. And we have to be that way with people that say, I am repenting. We have to, to be cautious. We have to be guarded. But we have to love that person. We, have to, we just have to wait. We have to, we have to love that person and have to pray for them. Even if we don't know Todd White personally, we should be praying for him and this repentance and pray that this repentance is true and that it would bring forth, bring forth much fruit. Now, again, I haven't heard his most recent sermon, his most recent message. It could be full of just heretical garbage. I'm not sure. So if you're listening to this before I've had a chance to listen to the newest sermon, that's fine. But my biggest thing is, whether it's Todd White, whether it is anybody that you know, it's somebody in your church, in your community, in your family, if they say they have repented, they're seeking forgiveness, don't let your first question be, how do we know? Are you really repentant? If somebody's coming to you in repentance and, 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 and for seeking forgiveness, where to give that to them? Not to determine if they're true or not. We as believers are supposed to, yes, I forgive you. And that's what happened to this man. Uh, the church ended up saying, yes, we forgive you. He came back. Uh, there was uh, no problems. Everything went great. Uh, another story for another time, uh, kind of how that ended, but uh, there was no issues. And I think people were able to see, yes, this man was repented. He, he truly repented. He was uh, seeking forgiveness, and it was true. So just let me say that today, is don't write people off in the very beginning of a journey that God is doing in their hearts and in their lives. I know it's easy for us to do, looking at somebody's past, but thank God he doesn't hold our past against us and still say, now you're not really saved because of your past. Because there's still some things that if we're honest, every now and then, some of our past may come into our present, and we have to kill that sin. And that's truly repenting and putting our faith back in Christ over and over again. So let me just encourage you, believer, don't write people off when they say, forgive me. I, I'm repenting of my sin. I'm sorry. Say, I forgive you. I forgive you, brother. I forgive you, sister. And let the Lord work in their heart. And if not, you'll see it. Uh, but I think it only brings more division and confrontation if we're asking the question, are you sure? Are you truly repentant? So just keep that in mind. So today's episode, if I could bring it down into one or two sentences. Pastors, if you are leading from a biblical conviction, if you are leading uh, from conviction by the Holy Spirit on how to lead your church during the pandemic, we applaud you 
And church member, we are calling you to stand firm with your pastor, elders, leadership at your church. Pastor, if you're just doing whatever's cool, hip, and trendy, I pray that you would repent and get the gathered assembly together, whether it be online, social distanced, or in-house altogether. Uh, so th- that's kind of the first part. Second part, brothers and sisters in Christ, let's be patient with one another. Let's be long-suffering with one another. And if a brother or sister says, I repent, don't ask them, are they sure? Tell them I forgive you because that's what God calls us to do. I appreciate you listening. Thank you for everyone. Thank you for uh, coming back after the, the short sabbatical. And uh, looking forward to the next episode. Uh, we may go a little deeper in some things. Uh, just depends on what happens. And uh, we're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to talk about Christ. We're going to honor the Lord, exalt Christ, and build one another up. So thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.